Good evening to those joining us from Australia and New Zealand and also to our fellow family from America. It's so lovely to have all of you join us today for our webinar Wednesday. Today's webinar will be part of our Liturgy webinar series. And our guest speaker for today will be speaking to us about the Eucharistic love. Our speaker for today is none other than Reverend Father Rajiv Belyavidov. Father Rajiv was recently ordained as a priest in June into the St. Thomas Siramalva Diocese of Chicago and currently serves as the assistant vicar of St. Joseph's Siramalva Catholic Corona Church in Houston. Before I invite Father Rajiv, just a few things as always. Please have your Bibles and notebooks handy. If you have any questions throughout the session, please feel free to ask them through the Q&A box. And this webinar is recorded for future reference. It is now my privilege to invite Reverend Father Rajiv Velyavidu. Hello, everyone. Um, it's good to be with all of you. Um, I'm currently here in Houston, and so it's, uh, it's night, but I'm guessing all of you um, maybe finishing up lunch or getting ready for lunch. So I'm uh, glad to be with all of you. I'm going to go ahead and uh, share my screen. The, uh, the talk has uh, kind of been introduced as a, a love for the, the Eucharist. Um, particularly, I want to speak a little bit more um, regarding a love for uh, the Eucharist, particularly in, in the way uh, that we are given with our tradition of uh, the Holy Kurbana, our particular uh, liturgy. And so um, just to begin, uh, a lot of times we hear this word uh, Kurbana, um, and there are a lot of different kind of reactions that we have, but I think it's just important for us to, first of all, see that um, whenever we refer to our liturgy, depending on the language. So, um, so here you have Holy Kurbana in English, Holy Kurbana in Malayalam, in Italian, in Syriac. That word Kurbana is always used. Um, so uh, it's there, uh, Vishuddha Kurbana, Santa Kurbana. So there is something particular about this word uh, Kurbana. And we'll get more into that. But first of all, like um, for me, my love for the liturgy has slowly grown uh, over time. Um, I grew up in a very small uh, Indian community, particularly in the state of Florida. But I was always like very excited about, um, about liturgy in general. And this is the picture on the left is of me when I was um, just kind of even thinking about seminary more in, in high school. And I loved uh, incense and loved the idea of um, you know, the, the smells of being able to be part of uh, just that action of incense. Um, so fast forward to, uh, this is a picture just from, from last week, uh, this uh, past Saturday for the Feast of St. Thomas, the, the Feast of Dukrana. Uh, we were able to have our, our second uh, Rasa Kurbana and English offered here um, in the Chicago Sermon of our Diocese. And I was a blessed to be the uh, the main celebrant. So, uh, slowly over time, um, for me, from you know from an early uh, childhood age to high school to to now being a priest now for actually two years, um, a love has grown particularly for the celebration of uh, the Holy Kurbana and and this form of 
uh, the Eucharist uh, that we have. So, um, so to begin with, how do we, I guess, what I want us to be able to do is grow in a greater love for uh, the Gurbana um, and particularly the celebration of it. And so, as I kind of mentioned in the beginning, we kind of have different ideas when it comes to um, when we hear the word Kurbana. So here on the screen, uh, we have three different words. And when we are able to kind of hear the word or, or look at the word, certain expressions or certain ideas come to mind. So the first word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right, is... Um, you know, I imagine many of you might be familiar with this word. It's a word that comes from the movie uh, Mary Poppins. And there's a whole song about it. Generally, um, when especially this word is repeated, uh, especially the younger kids, they get all excited uh, because this is a, it's kind of a very long word, but it kind of makes you joyful just by um, hearing the word and seeing the word itself. Um, Another word, hip, okay? So if I had asked you, um, you know, what do you define hip as or what do you think of um, when, you, when you hear the word hip, we uh, think about, you know, hip hop possibly, or maybe you think about your own hip. Um, so there are, are certain connotations uh, to that, right? So the word snap, okay? The word snap, um, you know, think of, we think of a snap, but um, if you are a you know, a Marvel uh, fan in any sense, um, and uh, you're familiar with the Avengers movies, uh, you know that Thanos snaps his fingers and, you know, snap takes on a, a more of a negative connotation by, you know, if you have the association uh, with those movies. So the point being is uh, when it comes to the word Kurbana, um, what is our kind of initial uh, reaction or what is our understanding uh, of the word Kurbana? Um, I think for a lot of us, um, sometimes it, it takes on some negative connotations, which you want to try to move away from. Um, there is a profound beauty in the word Kurbana, but because maybe when we think of Kurbana, we think of long, boring, um, you know, um, Malayalam, uh, you know, Syriac, just, just, in certain ways, negative connotations that um, that we want to kind of disassociate from the word Kurbana. And we want to get excited because if a word like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious gets us excited, then so much more should the word Kurbana um, get us excited. And so um, I want to share uh, an experience from uh, my ordination in 2018 when um, when I was ordained, uh, Bishop Marjoy Alipat uh, gave the homily. And uh, during the context of uh, the homily, uh, he shared this story um, with essentially this quote that the priest is to become the Holy Kurbana. And the story that he shared to be able to come to this particular phrase was um, in his ministry, uh, you know, especially visiting families, he had once uh, come to a home and encountered a young boy who uh, said to him as soon as he walked into the house, look, mom, there's the Holy Kurbana. The Holy Kurbana has come to our house. Um, and so here the, 
this young boy who had saw uh, Bishop Joy at the time was still serving as a, as a priest. Um, when he saw uh, Father Joy at the time, he saw the Holy Kurbana. He associated the Holy Kurbana with the priest. And so Bishop Joy went on to kind of connect this story to this point that, that you, you know, Father Rajiv, are to become the Holy Kurbana. And that was something kind of profound for me to think about that, that I am becoming the Kurbana. Um, but it's not just priests, like all of us, especially from our common priesthood, when we are, you know, constantly taking part in the Eucharistic liturgy, particularly the celebration of the Holy Kurbana, there is something for us in our own lives that we are also to become uh, the Kurbana. And another experience also from my ordination itself, um, this was the, the priest who hosted uh, my ordination. It was at a Roman Catholic church. And he was able uh, to kind of uh, share with me a number of his experiences from uh, the Eucharistic celebration. Um, but he kept saying uh, this essentially, that there is so much contained in the Kurbana. And so this was a priest, uh, Father Bill Swengross, um, this was his first experience of the Eucharistic celebration of the Sermon of the Rite, the Holy Kabbana. And he kept saying this over and over again in our conversation. There's so much contained in the Kabbana. And I was kind of baffled by this statement because he was saying, wow, there's, there's so much. There's so much beauty. There's so much, you know, um, kind of uh, spirit within the celebration of uh, the Kabbana. And solely I've... You know, especially my priesthood, it's been unfolding that uh, there really is a lot within the celebration of our own uh, Eucharistic liturgy, the, the Holy Kurbana. Um, but I think first for us to be able to have a greater love for the Kurbana, we need to realize that Kurbana is not limited to one language. And so you can just see that overall within the, uh, you know, within throughout the world, the, the Kurbana is celebrated in, in so many different languages. And, and I guess for, for me, um, one of the great uh, beauties for me to to grow in a love for the Eucharistic celebration of the Holy Kurbana was to to know this in particular. Uh, I came across, uh, being born and raised here, the first uh, Holy Kurbana that I came across in English was um, just about a year before I joined the seminary, and that was uh, a very profound experience. So it, it helps for us to kind of fall more in love with the word Kurbana, knowing that it's not limited to any particular language. If we go deeper into the text of our liturgy, you especially kind of see that this word Kurbana is used in so many uh, different contexts. Uh, I don't think we even realize uh, this, but um, you know, from the very beginning, and, and through that video, we kind of actually were able to, to go through different parts of the Kurbana. But this word Kurbana is used um, several, several times. So at the very beginning, uh, in English, the love of the Lord Jesus let us offer uh, this Kurbana. During the offertory, when the priest uh, raises up the chalice and the patent um, and crosses his hands, uh, this uh, particular um, prayer, accept this Kurbana from our hands through his grace and through his mercy. Um, the Gahanda, there are several moments, particularly the first Gahanda, when the priest turns uh, to the faithful and ask um, the faithful to, to, to pray for him. May this, that this Kurbana may be fulfilled through my hands. And the congregation responds, may accept this Kurbana and be pleased with the sacrifice you offer for yourself, for us, and for the whole world. Um, during the third Gahanda, the intercessory uh, prayers, um, 
Lord, mighty God, receive this kurbana. And the congregation responds, Lord, graciously receive this kurbana. Um, we keep going on uh, during the prayer of Epiclesis. Several times we're asking the Holy Spirit, descend on this kurbana. May he dwell on this kurbana. May this kurbana grant us remission of our debts, forgiveness of our sins. Um, if we fast forward to the Karosis of Reconciliation, when we're particularly asking um, you know, um, for forgiveness of our sins, we say, let us receive the Holy Kurbana, be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Um, there's the invitation when the priest um, is inviting us to Holy Communion. He says, the Holy Kurbana is for the holy people. Uh, and then finally, in the farewell prayer, when the priest goes and kisses the, uh, the main altar, the Madbaha, may the Holy Kurbana they receive be for you, be for me, unto the forgiveness of my debts and the remission of my sins. So this word Kurbana is used several times throughout the liturgy. And so, um, you know, obviously uh, there's maybe one definition that we could take and that is kurbana means offering, but more so than just an offering, um, you can see by just looking at these different prayers that uh, there is really something in, uh, in this kurbana. And we can understand that particularly by the gestures uh, alone that, uh, that we are being drawn into the celebration of what we call uh, the Holy Kurbana. So on the left, uh, this picture, you see that the priest is um, venerating the altar. He's kissing uh, the altar. Um, and uh, one particular experience in, uh, in my ministry as a priest, I've been able to share this Eucharistic celebration of the Holy Kurbana in contexts that are non-Malayali. And those have been really um, Beautiful experiences. So one uh, one time when I was celebrating the Holy Kurbana at a church uh, here in Houston, where um, you know ninety percent of the congregation had never attended a ceremony of Kurbana, um, there was one woman who, particularly after the celebration of Holy Kurbana, um, said to me that when the priest was holding up the Eucharist. And, um, and then bringing down the Eucharist uh, to his mouth to kiss the Eucharist. And so that's a particular gesture in the liturgy. Um, before the distribution of Holy Communion, the priest holds up the Eucharist and then brings, it, uh, brings the Eucharist down to his face and kisses uh, the Eucharist and then begins the fraction rite. She was saying that in that, um, in that gesture, I could feel the love of the Lord coming down in a super profound way. And the experience that I can't imagine that you were having, I was just overfilled with love, just looking at you uh, kissing uh, the Eucharist. And I was blown away by her comment because, you know, I had, you know, sometimes you get into a routine of the Eucharistic celebration, but for her to look particularly at just that gesture of kissing the Eucharist alone um, made me just kind of think about how, how profound, how beautiful uh, this is. And if you look closely at the celebrant, especially toward the second part of the liturgy, there are several moments where he's venerating the altar because um, there is such, uh, you know, uh, uh, profound respect and love for what is taking place. And so the best gesture that we can have is to be able to, to venerate the altar, to kiss the altar um, in particular. And uh, one other gesture that maybe we don't really pay attention to that often is this um, invitation gesture. So when the priest is kind of um, uh, showing with his hands like this, uh, bringing us to the altar. So the Holy Kurban is for the holy people. And so this is a gesture that 
you know, I've gotten very used to, but in one of my experiences of celebrating the Holy Grabana on um, the campus uh, here in, in Houston, so there are several secular campuses, but most of the secular campuses have Catholic uh, Newman centers. And so I had a chance to especially go and visit our students um, at this uh, campus here in Houston and was celebrating a Holy Grabana for them, but also other Catholic students that belong to uh, that university. And again, in, in the Q&A session after uh, the Holy Grabana was over, one of the uh, non Malayali uh, you know, American Catholics uh, who was there was saying that when you are doing this gesture of, you know, the Holy Grabana is for the holy people, I felt that you were just kind of like drawing me. You were pulling me in um, into uh, this Eucharistic celebration in such a way that you were asking me to come and, and to partake in, in, this, in this beautiful Eucharistic celebration and to you know, eventually receive the Eucharist. And, and the way that he was expressing this, I was like, wow, like you understood all of this in just this little um, gesture alone. So, um, so we can see that you know, even in these little simple things that we kind of take for granted, the priest kissing the altar or you know, such gestures with our hands um, show us that there is something so much more in this uh, Eucharistic celebration of our Holy Grabana. Um, so here are some definitions that maybe if you want to take a note of, allow us to kind of go beyond maybe just one simple definition. Okay, the Grabana is an offering or the Grabana is a sacrifice or Grabana is our mass. You know, more than that, Kurbana, we can kind of take these particular definitions um, to heart. And um, if we have some grasp of maybe some of these definitions, it can definitely enhance our experience when we are, um, you know, able to partake in the Holy Kurbana. So number one, the Holy Kurbana is a holy, life-giving, divine, and salvific mystery celebrated in accordance with the commandment of our Lord. And so we see this at the very beginning of our liturgy. Let us uh, come together, let us be able to offer this Kurbana. So it is um, part of the commandment of our Lord that we, we come together to, to be able to take part in this, you know, uh, salvific celebration that is the Holy Kurbana. Um, I love this second definition. Kurbana is a place where God uh, can encounter, where man can encounter God and God meets man. So here in this celebration, there is this very much happening that uh, God is looking to meet us and we can uh, be able to meet God. And so going back to that particular experience of this young college student telling me that in this gesture, when you were inviting us, that I could feel something that was being pulled in. Well, that is very appropriate because that's what Kurbana is meant to be. It's meant to be a place where we are able to meet God and God meets us. Um, Next definition here, Kurbana is a place to encounter our salvation as it is a time where we can be in contact with the heavenly reality. So if you think about uh, some of the prayers, you know, we could go uh, much deeper into each and every single prayer, but we see this uh, theme over and over again that we are inviting uh, this encounter with the heavenly realities and, um, you know, us being able to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, um, you know, uh, especially realizing that the angel and the saints are all present. So this is uh, a celebration, uh, Eucharistic celebration, where we are able to be very much in contact with the heavenly realities. 
Next, the Gurbana is the most precious gift of God to humankind as an expression of the love of God. So it's a gift that we receive. So we literally say also, too, that we're going to receive the Holy Gurbana. So, I mean, sometimes we can connect this word Gurbana also to the Eucharist. So it's a gift that we are able um, to receive. And also, finally, this definition of the Gurbana is a source and energy of our spiritual life. So from our experience of the Holy Gurbana, we can be able to have real energy, a real source for us to be able to keep moving forward in our own spiritual lives. With all that being said, you know, I give all of this context, but let's be real. And so this is an image of uh, a famous uh, ESPN analyst here in America, Stephen A. Smith, and always kind of makes this expression, but let's be real. Um, oftentimes our experience of Gurbana is not uh, all that heavenly, you know, because of different things that, you know, we have in terms of our experiences or associations with church and all that. And so these are some things that looking back at my own experience, I've seen as good, but also at times limiting my um, particular, uh, just kind of interest and love for the Gurbana. One is um, sometimes I feel like our churches can be very much kind of a fashion show um, where there's, uh, you know, a lot of uh, dressing up, which is great, but maybe uh, somewhat too much to where that's our only focus. Um, this can happen. Um, Gurbana becomes a place where we celebrate our Indian culture and especially our love for Indian food, which is awesome. But um, I have been particularly very distracted at times. Um, you know, coming to Holy Gurbana and you smell all of India, you know, with the, uh, with different Indian food and, and stuff. So sometimes that can be part of our experience in such a way that we're not focused on what the Gurbana actually is. Another thing, you know, I hate to say it, but Gossip Central, maybe it's a place where we're all about um, just kind of, we want to socialize. We want to talk uh, to our, you know, uh, friends and family members, but, which is good, but that shouldn't be the focus. And definitely gossip should not be what our communities are about. And then finally, um, this happens is that we're just bored. You know, we're not even trying to focus. We're just sitting there and, and it's just too long and there's too much going on that I can't even focus on. So I'm just bored out of my mind. So this is a reality uh, that happens, but we have to, so all of these different things, and I'm sure if I, would ask you, there are probably other uh, obstacles and limitations that you can think of that hinder your experience of Gurbana, but we want to try to get past this, uh, these limitations, and come more to a real love uh, for the celebration of, of the Holy Gurbana. And for me, one key person that has really kind of taught me to have a love for the Gurbana, but particularly also the Sir Malabar Church, is uh, St. John Paul II. St. John Paul II, um, by this picture alone, has inspired me to kind of just take more seriously uh, this celebration that we have in the Holy Gurbana. And so this is a picture from uh, 1986 when he visited uh, Corteum. And uh, this picture has always been uh, very inspirational. The fact that the pontiff, the head and father of the Catholic Church, uh, came to Kerala and celebrated the Holy Kurban. He celebrated 
the English Holy Qurbana um, was has always been just very inspiring to me. Um, you know, even though I had I have no experience of this in 1986, but the pictures alone speak volumes. And um, this is a, a quote that he said during his visit, particularly in Kerala. And so he says this, that we praise the father for his countless blessings during the 2000 years that the church has existed on Indian soil. With Christ, we glorify the father for the love that he has shown uh, to the little ones of Kerala and all of India. So, I mean, particularly here, John Paul II is pointing that, pointing out that um, we are, we have experienced so many blessings, you know, going back to our history in India. And so in the celebration of Holy Kurbana, this is a place that we are continuing to be connected to the, all those blessings that we've uh, had coming down throughout the generations. Um, there's, so this is a, this is a reality that, you know, we're connected to uh, the blessings from so many generations through our celebration of Holy Kurbana. But, um, you know, this idea, uh, especially that I mentioned before that, in the Qurbana, we're being drawn into the heavenly realm. And so this is a picture from um, the Sistine Chapel, right? And so we can literally imagine that God is wanting to, to draw us in. And I remember very profoundly, this is, again, my, uh, the day of ordination, the first time I was holding the Eucharist uh, as I you know, was offering the Holy Qurbana. Um, it was just, wow, like you can just, you can just stare and, and realize that, that God is, God is really just drawing us in. You know, he um, is wanting us to experience so much and, you know, we want to do our best to, to move forward um, and kind of getting over obstacles that hinder us from being able to truly look at God. Um, and this is, I'll, I'll end with this, this, this final um, thing for us that can be very helpful to be able to truly experience the Gurbana and not let any obstacles kind of be there to hinder us is to use our senses. Um, so here we have a football field and this is an American football field. I apologize uh, for this example, but um, if we use our senses, then this game of football or whatever game, if it's rugby, it becomes that much more beautiful. Um, but if we are approaching the game of football purely from kind of an academic perspective, uh, the game can be very boring. Um, so if you know the game, good. Number one, that's good. But if you use your senses, so here you come to this American uh, football stadium and you're able to use your senses, right? Use your sight, use your smell, use your hearing. The game becomes that much more uh, beautiful. And so we need to be able to use our senses to be able to enjoy a simple game of football, which lasts, you know, a little more than an hour. Um, so if this can be the case, and we know this for any sport, if we're not using our senses, then it becomes very boring. The same thing with the Holy Kurbana. Um, if we're not using our, our senses during the celebration of Holy Kurbana, nothing's happening. So... Um, the five senses, right? Sight, hearing, touch, smell, taste. If we begin to try to use our senses, literally, I know it's difficult right now with all this quarantine and stuff, but I mean, in, in some way, uh, even um, when we do get back to the church, to be able to try to use our senses more and more, um, the Kurbana becomes that much more uh, beautiful. So 
first off, with, um, with seeing, okay, sight, right? Um, oftentimes, we get so bored because we're not looking. We're not watching what's actually happening. So um, there are so many things that are, that are taking place, especially the gestures of the priest. If we can be able to gaze a little bit more and watch uh, what's going on, and not only just watch the other people in the congregation, but watch the celebration of the Holy Kibana, then um, our experience is enhanced just by watching alone, hearing. Um, a lot of times, are we really listening? So not just the language in itself, but in, in what way is God speaking to us, um, especially during the Holy Kibana? Every Kibana, especially you know, Sunday to Sunday, is pretty much almost the same. But um, if we use our sense of hearing, you know, God will speak to us, particularly in the readings. If we listen to the readings um, and allow ourselves to be able to journey in, in terms of the context of the seasons, the readings that are particular to the season, then um, our experience is enhanced in that way. Touching. So there is a uh, physical touch, um, which we try to limit now with this coronavirus pandemic, but more so also a spiritual touch, trying to really touch uh, the mysteries, to be able to um, be very much uh, in contact with the divine. So literally using our touch. And, you know, especially when we touch the Eucharist, there's something uh, beautiful in that. Um, smell, uh, you know, smell, I mean, it, usually you need to smell only when you're in the context of a church, but um, especially the smell of incense, the, the smell, that's one of the biggest smells. If we can use that um, sense, our experience is enhanced because we have that beautiful aroma, that smell, and that can raise us up to heaven. And then finally, taste. Uh, taste is, um, you know, we, we taste the Holy Kurbana, but do we have that desire to really be uh, in contact with the Lord's love and, and have the sweetness of his love. And so um, this is one thing that we should try to implement in our experience of the Holy Kurbana, these senses, which we know well, but kind of keep them in our, in our mind. How much more can we experience the Holy Kurbana by especially um, using our senses? So uh, I just share finally like these uh, pictures. This is a picture of our uh, Sir Mulberg Church here in the U.S. in New Jersey. Um, so just by like entering into uh, this church, you are automatically kind of drawn into maybe a heavenly experience by looking at, um, you know, the image behind the, the main altar. Uh, and this is another church in our uh, Sir Mulberg um, diocese here. Uh, in Dallas, uh, Texas, um, again, just by looking at the altar itself, uh, you are um, you're drawn into, you know, this heavenly reality. Okay, so, um, so I've explained all of this kind of more sensational stuff, but also too, uh, we should know that the church very much asks us, to the church meeting, the overall Catholic church, that we should be convinced of this. So, you know, I'm saying this to you, like, you know, please try to grow in that love of the Eucharist. And hopefully by just my own experience, you can understand a little bit of that. But the church says this specifically in its, uh, its document, Orientalum Ecclesiarium. It says all members of the Eastern Church should know and be convinced that they can and should always preserve the liturgical, legitimate liturgical right in their established way of life.
All of these then must be observed by the members of the Eastern Rites themselves. Besides, they should attain to an even greater knowledge and a more exact use of them. And if in this regard they have fallen short, owing to the contingencies of times and persons, they should take steps to return to their ancestral tradition. So this was uh, a beautiful quote for me to even hear that, wow, the church wants me to be convinced of my liturgical tradition, the celebration of the Holy Kurbana, for myself, but also to be able to share that with the, with the greater you know, church, you know, especially the Roman Catholic Church, the other Eastern rites that are there. So, yes, so this is an invitation um, to all of you to be able to come closer to the celebration of Holy Kurbana. So I'm going to end there, um, a little self-promo. Um, you know, uh, I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, so feel free to, to follow. Um, but at this time, I think uh, I can, if there's any questions, just kind of be able to do that. Yeah, well, yeah. thanks, Acha, for kind of yeah. breaking up on just like a small snippet of the, the sort yeah. of beauty and, and the love within our sort of Holy Kurban and, and the Eucharist within that. Um, as Archin just mentioned, and as I mentioned at the start, if you guys do have any questions, please feel free them to uh, please feel free to ask them in the Q and A box. And uh, I think we've got two questions already in. Okay, so, sure, Archie, sure. If you just want to read them out loud yeah. as well, so that the attendees can hear as well. We'll do. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, the first question um, that I got here is. There any particular reason why we use the word akurbana instead of just mass, and why is there a bigger emphasis on it these days? Okay, so I love this question, um, and I am a little bit of a stickler. Um, I have a, a bad reputation of being the achin here that uh, in in the U.S. that always emphasizes that we uses that we use this word kurbana because uh, hopefully just from the presentation alone that you can understand that within that word there is so much contained, that, uh, that, that word kurbana in itself. And so um, it's important that we uh, try to use uh, this word kurbana when we're talking about our um, liturgical celebration. It's not wrong to say the word mass, um, but holy mass is not a complete um, kind of identification of our liturgy. Because if you kind of go deeper into the word mass in itself, it comes from a Latin root um, of the word misa. And so misa means uh, to be sent forth, essentially. At the very end of the mass, the, uh, the deacon or the priests would say in Latin, ita misa est. Or in, um, in English, he would say, the goal of the mass is ended. So slowly the, the term for uh, liturgy in the Roman Catholic Church became uh, mass because that was a common word that they would associate, uh, Misa, uh, with their liturgical celebration. So that is appropriate for uh, the Roman Catholic context. Um, but for us, it doesn't quite uh, exactly express our liturgical celebration. We understand it as the liturgy if we say Mass, but, um, but you know, truly, Kurbana is uh, a more fitting word. And if you look at our liturgy, we use that word, especially you at the very beginning, let us offer this holy kurbana. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's why there would be a little bit more of an emphasis on this word kurbana rather than the word mass. 
Um, the next question uh, that we got here is, uh, could you please recommend any uh, source, book, website, video, audio that explains uh, the meaning of all the prayers, the Qurana, the Bible references of the prayers prayed in, uh, in the Qurana? Great question. Um, unfortunately, uh, we don't have a lot of really great resources, um, and I'm uh, working on that. So this presentation has just been maybe like, a snippet of like going into the celebration of the Gurbana. We could go deeper into uh, the prayers um, itself. Uh, but like I said, there's not a lot of resources, but one resource that I particularly uh, recommend, and, and you can find this online, is um, this is a, uh, a book called uh, The Holy Gurbana Pictorial Journey. Um, it was written by uh, Mar Joseph Erendortum. So it's kind of like a picture book and it goes a little deeper into the celebration of the Holy Qurbana, kind of step-by-step step, uh, uses pictures. Um, so uh, probably one of the best resources out there. Our, uh, our diocese has uh, put out a few books. Um, one is called the Sir Malabar Holy Qurbana, the Ineffable Gift, which goes a little deeper into some of the prayers. Um, and then also this is another book uh, called God's Ascent and Man's Ascent in the Sir Malabar Qurbana. So these are a few resources. Um, uh, that we have, um, that we use here in, in our diocese. But um, I do hope in the future that there uh, will be more uh, to come out, especially like through video and audio, um, which is not all that much there. Um, there are a few talks, I think, that you can access in Malayalam um, that go deeper into the celebration of Holy Qurbana. Um, here and there, yeah, there, there are some resources, especially if you look um, but I hope one day that we would be able to have something kind of more in depth, like uh, a Bishop Barron's explanation on the mass or Father Mike Schmidt's um, uh, deeper dive into the mass too. something like that we should have for the Holy Qurbana. Okay, uh, next question. Okay, thank you for taking your time out to explain the Qurbana to us. Um, what makes the Qurbana significant, necessary when you can encounter God's sinless presence anywhere, uh, particularly in your own uh, daily personal time? Uh, with God. Um, let me see if I understand this question. What makes the Qurana significant necessary when you encounter God, sit in his presence anywhere, particularly in your daily personal prayer time? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this uh, question is written out of um, the context of like right now, because a lot of us, I'm sure, um, you know, are not even able to, uh, to attend Qurana physically. Um, but obviously with this idea that Qurbana is a place where we can encounter um, God and, you know, the heavenly realities are, are, are being present. Um, it can be a very significant part of our um, experience um, in terms of just our spiritual life and being able to, to meet God um, through the celebration of the Holy Qurbana. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even just, I think, uh, in this current moment of being able to attend through a live stream, um, it can be a significant part of our daily personal prayer in the sense of just being able to be connected to, to our God through this liturgical celebration. Um, hope I answered that question. Okay. The next question, what would you say if you are tired to refrain from going to Grubana so that you are less likely to sleep or be distracted or should you go anyway? Um, yeah, good question. I mean, you know, we are uh, physical beings. And so, um, you know, 
even sometimes when our mind can be wanting to focus, uh, it can be uh, difficult because physically you're just exhausted. And so, um, you know, I would uh, recommend as much as possible um, to, to, to go even when we, you know, we, we can be like a little bit physically uh, drained or tired um, because the Grubana is meant to be a place of energy, uh, a place for us to, to be energized. And so I think if we constantly wait for, you know, the right, um, the right energy or the right mood, um, that might never come because, you know, we have to realize the devil is constantly at attack um, and saying, oh, no, no, you shouldn't go because you're sleepy or you're, or you're tired. Um, so, um, you know, uh, well, I mean, you, you know, each person knows that themselves, but I would say as much as possible, uh, try to try to go. And I think particularly if we know that we're going to feel distracted or sleepy, um, then we can, um, you know, maybe try to get there a little bit early or focus in, you know, like prepare ourselves just a little bit more. Um, especially when it comes to the readings, knowing what the readings are. Um, there's this beautiful uh, line from St. Teresa of Avila who speaks about, you know, this distractions, the distractions that can come, especially when we come to liturgic celebration. And she said, it might be the reality that we get distracted 10, 15 times uh, throughout the liturgy, but we can use each time that we get distracted to say yes to the Lord, uh, to be able to focus in on him. So, um, yeah, I would say don't let the possibility of getting distracted hinder you from going to Kumana. Like, keep going, um, get distracted, but, you know, try to bring back your attention uh, to the Lord. And if anything, even let's say you didn't get anything out of Kurbana, at least before you leave the church, say, Lord, thank you. And like, you know, this today didn't go that well, but, you know, thank you for this experience. And so, um, you know, the Lord will make something out of our effort, um, to say the least. Next question. Why is it important for us as ceremonial Catholics to go to a ceremonial Brakubana than the normal Latin mass in Western countries? Great question. So um, I didn't uh, get too much into my own story, but I was one, particularly because of these obstacles and distractions, uh, I never liked to go for Kurbana. Um, I preferred going to the Roman Catholic Church, especially uh, when I was in, in high school. Um, you know, I'd always tell my parents, okay, you guys go to uh, the Malayalam Church, which also is a term that I think we should move away from, you know, the Sir Malabar Church. Um, and I would go to a nearby uh, Roman Catholic Church and attend a Latin Mass, um, which is fine. Uh, but slowly, uh, as I grew in my understanding of the beauty of our tradition and obviously began studying the seminary, um, you know, this emphasis and this uh, importance became very realistic to me. And um, I think just in general, us being ceremonial Catholics, um, it's important that we be connected to our, um, to our Eucharistic celebration, which is unique. And that is the, the ceremonial Kurbana. Um, and we should love it as much as possible. And I guess the best way to grow in love is being able to, to go as often as we can. So it's not to say that, okay, the Latin mass is bad. It's, you know, the Sir Malbrookman is greater than the Latin mass. Uh, we don't want to, um, 
you know, be like that. But our tradition is uh, beautiful and it's unique and we should love that. And I think the more that you grow in love for the Sermon or Kurbana, it makes you also appreciate the, uh, the Latin mass too. So um, to be able to grow in love for the Eucharist, you know, for us particularly, uh, we should give importance to loving that celebration of Holy Kurbana. Just a few days ago, um, I had the, the privilege of hosting a number of seminarians from the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. So uh, Roman Catholic seminarians. And so they attended our, our liturgy. It was a daily Kurbana. And um, we had like almost an, uh, 45 minutes to an hour of just question and answers. And they were just appreciating like little things. It's kind of like some of the stories that I uh, spoke about earlier, but just that the moment that we kneel and, and we pray the office for the dead, the opis. And so they, they appreciated that. So I think, um, you know, to answer this question again, like uh, if we give importance to our ceremonial Brukabana, then we're able to also love the Latin mass and it enhances the overall Catholic experience with us being um, able to have that love for uh, the Holy Kurbana. Okay. Did you have any encounter uh, during the Kurbana? Um, great question. Yeah. So I think for me, I grew in an understanding and awareness that the Kurbana is its own unique liturgical celebration. And for a long time, my understanding of the Siramalabur Kurbana was that it's a translation of the Latin Mass in Malayalam, uh, which was a very incorrect um, understanding. So when I encountered the Holy Kurbana in English, that was profound for me that it just, uh, the, the, the words of these, these prayers all throughout the Kurbana was um, very beautiful for me and just brought me uh, particularly to, I don't know, some sense of, you know, what I've been speaking about, I guess the heavenly realm, the heavenly reality. So that was there, but there was particularly one uh, moment that I remember I had made a firm decision after attending this English Kurbana um, to get active in my own parish. And in my own parish, there wasn't uh, a regular English uh, Kurbana, but, um, you know, the Malayalam Kurbana. And I remember just this moment of the priest holding up the Eucharist. And I just felt that that was not Father George. That was Jesus. And I looked and I saw, um, you know, I saw someone that was not, it was, it was, it was Jesus. And I, in such a way that I began to just weep as I saw uh, this and I was actually a catechism teacher at the time. I had sixth grade, um, sorry, eighth grade students, and they were all kind of around me. And I remember a few of them coming up to me uh, after and even like during. It was like, "Are you okay? Uh, are you okay, Rajjirda?" Uh, because um, you know something was happening, and so that was particularly just one encounter um, that I had. Uh, before even entering the seminary. And even just recently, um, as I was celebrating the Holy Kurbana, um, it was particularly in the midst of all this heat of uh, these racial protests in America. I had uh, given a homily where I spoke very passionately about the sin of racism. And I was just realizing my own hypocritical nature that as I was kind of um, lifting up the chalice in particular, I was like, wow. Like, this is the blood of Jesus Christ. And um, it was really profound uh, for me. So, yeah, I mean, encounters have happened 
before and they continue to happen. I think for all of us, Gurbana can be a continual place of encounter um, of the Lord uh, for us. Okay, um, next question. Acha, you had spoken about a sense of appearance when attending Mass. Regarding what we wear and everything, since Gurbana is the biggest celebration of faith, could you further explain why we should restrict the way we dress? Okay, um, good question. Maybe uh, a good clarification. Um, I think it's beautiful that actually, you know, we wear uh, the best, um, you know, dress that we have, you know, for our Lord. So um, I didn't mean to say that in any way that we need to restrict um, that or be a little bit more conscious um, in, in that sense of, you know, like maybe dressing down uh, in, in no way that I mean that. But for me, my uh, kind of obstacle or hindrance of the Kurban, I, I, so I grew up in a home uh, with uh, my, I have, um, my mom and two sisters. So sometimes I felt like our focus on going to Kurbana was more about what the experience was in regards to um, the dress and how people would react to that. And so, um, so I would suggest more moving away from, you know, desiring that, uh, you know, the experience that we have from going to church is about, you know, like what are people going to say about what I'm wearing? Um, you know, if good comments come great, but that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be our focus. Our focus should be more on going to church and, you know, um, that experience of the celebration of Kurbana rather than, um, you know, yeah, like, oh, what are people going to say about the way that I dress? Like, the dress should uh, express an interior uh, intention that we have, which should be good. Hope that makes sense. Um, if there's more clarification needed, I'm willing to, to speak more about that. Um, why do we kneel at different times during the sermon run as opposed to Latin Mass? Um, yeah, great question. Uh, so if you think about the Latin Mass, um, the the penitential act comes at the very beginning of the liturgy. So we say, you know, we have that prayer where we are, you know, beating our, our, our chest, you know, I, I confess to almighty God, um, you know, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And so that is something that comes towards the very beginning of the liturgy. But if you think about our Sir Malbara liturgy, uh, it's there, um, you know, in spurts, especially at the beginning, but especially it's happening for us in the second Karasusa, the, the Karasusa reconciliation. Um, so for us, the attitude uh, of kneeling is um, particularly just kind of contrition and, uh, you know, asking for uh, forgiveness because we're not worthy to take part in what comes next of the, the you know, the receiving of Holy Communion. Um, so, you know, for us, standing is a gesture of respect. Um, and then immediately kind of after the apokesis, um, you know, the, the main portions of the Gahanda prayers is when we kneel, um, expressing our unworthiness to uh, be able to, you know, truly receive the, the Eucharist. So it's just kind of different theologies that are present within, um, you know, celebrations of the liturgy compared to Latin Mass um, and the Sermon um, okay, on what occasions can a Rasa Kurbana uh, be done? Um, yeah, uh, good question. So typically a Rasa Kurbana is celebrated on 
um, in a very solemn feast um, within the context of our liturgical calendar. So uh, St. Thomas uh, feast, the Dukrana is, is one occasion. A lot of times different churches will have a Rasa Krabana um, in the context of their parish feast. So if the church is dedicated to St. Joseph, you know, on the feast of St. Joseph, um, maybe churches that are dedicated to, to Mary and taking one of the Marian feast, um, uh, it can be used as an occasion for uh, the Rasa Krabana. Um, so yeah, that's, that's typical in terms of the, when it's done on, on different solemn occasions. Um, before Corona, we had actually a plan here in, in the church that I'm serving at to have a, a celebration of Holy Krabana, the, the Rasa form in English, um, for the end of our catechetical year. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, one part of Krabana is also to be able to give thanks. And so um, we had originally agreed to have a Rasa Krabana at the very end of our uh, catechism year, but um, yeah, it didn't happen because of the pandemic. But um, one thing about the Rasa Krabana is that there is a lot of extra music and there are, there's a requirement of more priests. So it's not uh, very easy to simply have a Rasa Krabana. So um, it needs a lot of preparation for it to happen. Yeah, I guess a final question. Whilst appreciating the beauty of the Krabana, do we need the Krabana or Mass uh, more broadly? Do we need the Krabana or Mass more broadly? That's a good question. I guess, um, you know, the reality is, um, you know, I, I think for most of us, and, you know, especially with the eparchy there in Australia, we have a chance to be able to, um, you know, take part in the celebration of the Krabana. But is it needed? Um, you know, there are certain, there are different, many paths that we can, um, you know, take towards ultimately the, the goal of being a saint. And, um, you know, there are countless number of uh, saints that we recognize, especially from the Roman Catholic tradition, you know, that never would have attended the celebration of the Holy Krabana. They were um, very much, you know, entrenched in their liturgical celebration of, uh, of the Mass. Um, so when we ask, do we need it? Well, I mean, there are several ways that we can achieve holiness and it might not necessarily require the Holy Krabana, but, um, you know, that being said, like, this is a gift that's uh, given to us. And, um, you know, for us, Suramalabar Catholics, uh, the way of Thomas is a way to holiness, uh, you know, the Martha Margam. So our uh, connection to the tradition of this apostle of St. Thomas, which we uh, kind of see in the Holy Krabana, is a way for us to be able to grow spiritually. Um, so it's a gift uh, to us. Um, and we should try our best to uh, be connected to this gift uh, of the Krabana. Um, but certain circumstances are what they are. Like, um, you know, here, speaking from an American context, a lot of our you know, kids will uh, go for college and, you know, where they go for college, there's not a ceremony of our church. So they will go uh, for the celebration of, um, you know, for the, for the Latin mass, um, you know, and that's fine. They can continue to grow, but, um, you know, when they come back, uh, I, I see that there's a joy in being able to just uh, take part in that Kurbana. So hopefully recognizing and appreciating the beauty 
we also see that this is a real authentic way for us to grow um, spiritually in our lives. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you for uh, answering all of that, Father. Um, yeah. I guess just, I, I just want to add one more thing. Sorry. Um, yeah. Did you have like, what sort of experience did you have sort of celebrating the Rasa Kurbana very recently in English? Like, especially as the main sovereign, was there something that you kind of, kind of really stuck out to you during that service or? Um, I was pretty nervous, uh, to be very honest with you, because um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of music and this was uh, a very new um, initiative. Like we had the celebration of the Rasa Kurbana um, last year and Father Kevin, who was with you guys in Australia about a year ago, um, he celebrated that Kurbana, um, but I wasn't a part of that. So this was my first experience. And so there was a lot of nerves in just being able to, um, to, to be able to be a main celebrant. And we had uh, kind of really taken an effort to bring some of the Syriac tunes into the English. Um, so there was just a little bit of nervousness um, overall. Um, but um, so that was there. But I think one of the most beautiful moments, and it was a unique moment and something very new for me, was uh, in the Rasa Kurbana, if you, uh, if you see pictures, and I, I shared a picture at the beginning of the presentation of when the priest is on his knees um, before a very large soshapa, which is typically, we have a smaller soshapa that we put over the, the chalice and the, and the paten. There's a large soshapa that is there in the middle of the church, and the priest kind of um, gets down on his knees and invokes the Holy Spirit and then kisses the Shoshapa. Uh, it was really just a, a profound experience um, of just like, wow, like, uh, you know, like this is something. And um, so that, and then overall, just like experiencing the Rasakabana, and it's very long. Um, I honestly, at one point, I'll be very honest. Yeah, like this was a, a thought in my head is like, I hope, I hope something is good there for dinner, you know, because I was, uh, it was long. It was like almost two and a half hours, um, everything. But attending the Rasa Kurbana and especially being the main celebrate made me appreciate our Kurbana even more because the Rasa Kurbana, the prayers are even more extended. Um, so the Gahanda prayers that we're used to are even a little bit longer uh, in the Rasa Kurbana. And the priest is constantly asking that the congregation pray for him. So. Uh, just the overall experience just made me um, again have a, a deeper appreciation for the gift that we have in the Holy Kurbana. In a nutshell, yeah. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, once again, thank you for I guess taking the time to to spend with us and and, and share your experiences and thoughts with us. Um, I was wondering if you could give us a, a final blessing to kind of wrap up today's session. Yeah, yeah, um, we'll do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord of God, we uh, give you thanks for all good things, especially this time that, um, that we have had to be able to, to reflect, to, to be able to think more about the Holy Kibana. And I ask that all the uh, participants that have been on this call be able to truly come into a greater experience of you um, in the celebration uh, of the Holy Kibana and to uh, grow in a, a greater love um, for this Eucharistic celebration by especially understanding and realizing that your love is very much there um, in this gift that we have in the celebration of the Holy Kumana. Pray the prayer that you have taught us, um, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Descend upon you, be with you always, now, forever, and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. And once again, thank you to everyone who joined us today. And we hope you have a blessed day. Thank you.